Ray Johnston here with a short black for you, and we're chatting about one of my favourite topics, space. Now, you may or may not know that Australia has a 10-year plan for astronomy, and that plan just had its midterm review. Overseen by the Australian Academy of Sciences National Committee for Astronomy, that's a mouthful, it found Australian physicists and astronomers played a crucial part in some of the decade's most significant scientific discoveries. We were an integral part of the 2015 discovery of gravitational waves. We're at the forefront in designing instrumentation and algorithms. We've used the mysterious fast radio burst to solve a decades-old mystery of missing matter, long predicted to exist in the universe, but never detected until now. We worked that out. Now, I spoke to Gamilaroi astrophysicist Carly Noon about some of the recommendations in this review to strengthen our position in the world of astronomy. Now, I'm a long-term admirer of Carly's work, so apologies for the fangirl giggling throughout this one. I think there are a number of titles that people could use to try and sum up what I do and my work. I'm often given the title Gamilaroi Astrophysicist. That's one that kind of sits well with me. Uh, I think it kind of covers, you know, what what I'm about, but it's also a little bit ambiguous. So, you know, the first word, Gamilaroi, it's pretty straightforward. I'm a Gamilaroi person. Astrophysicist, again, you know, I do astro stuff. I look at the dynamics of systems, in particular, I like to look at the dynamics of the Milky Way. But with those two words kind of put together, Gamilaroi astrophysicist, I think it kind of opens it up to interpretation to be more inclusive of what I what I actually do. So I guess I don't just do physics and, you know, I'm not just a Gamilaroi person, but I, I very much try to find where the intersection of those two worlds lies and try to explore that space both within myself within my community and within academia and the general public i guess there's a few sides to me that <laughs> i don't necessarily <laughs> want to put a, a number on or a label on but there's i guess gamilaroi astrophysicist i think tries to cover it the best and what is it that makes our continent so special when it comes to stargazing when? When are you asking? <laughs> um, <laughs> so obviously if we look at today and we're talking about today, uh, I think one of the main things, particularly in the field that, that I work the most in, um, being radio astronomy, we have so much space here, so much empty space where it's not being bombarded with you know, all our mobile phones, all our microwaves, all our Wi-Fi devices, even our tellies, our fridges send out radio waves now. You know, all these devices and technologies that we have and we surround ourselves with uh, dramatically interfere with our ability to uh, pick up radio waves in outer space. And so having large areas of land in which these technologies don't really exist and you know it's kind of far enough away for those those waves to not be a big issue to not affect the science as much as say if we did it you know even at parks 
you know, 60 years ago when they first started building parks, it was much more quiet than it is today. Um, and by quiet, I mean radio quiet. Uh, so, yeah, you know, we look at Western Australia where, of course, it houses the Australia Square Kilometre Array Pathfinder, which will one day hopefully be the uh, Square Kilometre Array. Uh, and it's just a perfect example of the conditions which allow us to pick up some of the most distant and ancient radio waves that this universe has ever produced. So the Australian Academy of Science recently did this big review of our, I'm going to call them our recent astronomical discoveries because it doesn't really take into consideration you know, the rich history that we have with, with looking at the stars on this continent. Uh, and it really really kind of brought home that we, we're punching well above our weight when it comes to figuring out the intricacies of the universe. Why why do you think we're so good at this here in Australia? I think you touched on it. I think we do have a really deep history in this field, a really significant history that I think as Australians we're only really just becoming aware of it. You know, movies like The Dish certainly helped out with that but again that was just such a small part of this huge field that we have going on here I think there's a combination of of reasons why Australia has just been doing so phenomenally in this in this field one of those reasons I think it's because we in the past this is I think this is a bit controversial now, but um, in the past, you know, we've we've always opened our doors to to any student, really. You know, wherever you're from, they were, you know, student, international students were always welcome here, and I think that goes a long way to creating an, an environment and an atmosphere um, that is encouraging for people to to be in. And of course, astronomy is. Uh, in inherently international you can't do you know research at this level without using every single skill that we have as human beings um and so you know it's it's inherently international um the fact that we we have been in the past so open to you know people from different countries i think that's that's gone a long way um combine that with our technology our you know our love of engineering of course different fields as well when we think about, you know, how technology can seep into other fields and be applied into different industries, uh, that also helps a long way, particularly with our, our engineering. You know, we see that today with how amazing they're doing with keeping parks updated. It, it is a really old uh, telescope, but it's at the forefront of its field. It, it's one of the best uh, radio dishes that we have in, in the world. So, yeah, I think there's, there's a few different reasons why we're kind of smashing it. Yeah, for sure. One of the recommendations that came out of this review was to build stronger ties between the Australian astronomy community, the wider Australian space science community, and the Australian Space Agency. What benefits do you see that would bring? Oh, huge, huge benefits. I think this is an a, like a really, really old problem that we have uh, with agencies. When we, <laughs> when we have, um, <laughs> you know, when we, 
throw these things into their little compartments. Uh, you know, with, with something like the space agency, there is certainly a lot of bureaucracy that's involved with with running an organization like that. But you can't you can't run a space agency without the experts, without the scientists, without the engineers, without the people who get the most impact from this this type of work. So I think it's it's like with any, you know, say government organization, working with people, um, collaborating, getting as many voices in as possible can only help and, you know, make it a, a place that is relevant, you know, it, it's, it's useful and it makes sense to the people that will be using it. So I don't know. That's my opinion. Yeah, good opinion. I like I d- it. I do work in the public service and do get a, a little bit jaded sometimes. So I don't know if that's just me projecting. No, I understand those red tape frustrations, old rules that have been yeah. in place for a long time for no discernible reason that just somehow yeah. impact on you being able to do your job. It's why, why? And it's, it's not to say that that isn't important or it doesn't have a function, but the work can be deepened. Yeah. Um, yeah, it can it can be made useful and relevant with that consultation and with that broader engagement. Good plan. I like it. So I wanna I wanted to ask you why you believe learning about space and the universe is important. I think it's important to me personally because it was something that resonated with me on many levels, on an emotional level, spiritual level, um, intellectual level. It, it was something that I just felt connected to um, and drawn to. I think on a societal level, I think it, it has the potential to reinforce to, to us, um, and by us I mean humans on planet Earth, how what the important things are. But also, it's kind of, I don't know, I like to see it as, as getting both views of the world, so all the universe. Um, on one side, we get this sense of how little and insignificant and small we are. Uh, but I think on the other side, we can also get a sense of how special we are and how unique we are and how amazing it is that we have this planet that was able to form and we have water thanks to asteroids crashing into our planet and we have oxygen um you know as a result of another collision like you know there were so many things that had to happen for us to exist uh and so i think on the one hand it can it can ground us and it can show us you know what the important things are show us where we came from, where we're going, um, and I guess to help us not get too caught up in things that don't necessarily serve us in the bigger picture. I am both nodding and crying at the same time. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> You've made me teary at the radio desk. Aww. What are you doing? <laughs> Look, it's lovely. Friday afternoon. I, I don't want to make but... you cry, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, in good ways. It's... <laughs> uh, um... 
so yeah, this this review obviously went into a whole bunch of discoveries that we've that we've made in Australia, you know, like missing matter and, and neutron stars and gravitational waves and and there's all sorts of cool things that we seem to be making tiny yet huge incremental steps towards understanding about the, the universe and and how it all works. But if there's one question that you would like answered in your lifetime, what would it be? Good question. You can only have one. <laughs> oh my god! Like it, it has to be dark matter. I, I really cannot care about anything else as much as I care about dark matter. <laughs> it's so weird. Like what? <sighs> I know that there, you know, there have been recent breakthroughs, and you know, people have been that, you know, there have been identification of some missing matter. But there's still this question as to, you know, axioms. Are they are they real? Are they the answer to dark matter? Um, yeah, there's just, you know, that's I guess that's one question. But in in that one question, there are so many <laughs> questions. <laughs> so for for anyone um, here who is who is listening or, or reading this interview. Could you give me a quick, like, layman's term explanation as to what dark matter is? <laughs> no, <laughs> I cannot. Um, I can tell you. I can tell you a little bit about the history of it, and that Ooh. might help. Okay. Um, Let's do that. Yeah, help you help people get an idea of of what this thing is that we refer to, or what the problem is. So. In around the 40s, 1940s, people started noticing that planets and objects and stars um, were orbiting around centers of galaxies, as as we know they do, uh, but at a weird velocity. They couldn't really explain the velocity at which they were traveling. And as we started to collect more and more data in this, and I have to say so many... Um, Quite a few Australians contributed to this. Uh, one in particular who was I was lucky enough to have as a lecturer uh, in my master's degree. It's you know in this world he's a total rock star. Anyone you know anyone making discoveries in this space is a total rock star. So um, yeah, just a little a weird flex. <laughs> um, so as they started to collect more data on you know the speed at which objects were were orbiting. Um, senses of galaxies, they noticed that as you traveled further away from the center of the galaxy, objects started traveling faster. Now, this is really counterintuitive. Uh, Newtonian physics uh, basically tell us that the closer you are to a heavy mass object, uh, the faster you would travel. And there's this uh, relation between gravity and, and the speed at which you um, you fall into it, I guess. And, you know, we assume that the majority of the mass in a galaxy was at the centre of the galaxy because that's where the black hole is, that's where we see all these stars gravitating towards. So we just assume that's where all the mass was. Um, but this finding, the fact that objects in the outer galaxy were travelling faster than the ones in the inner galaxy – tells us that there's actually a huge amount of mass on the outside of the galaxy. And so far, we don't know what this mass is, 
um, but we called it Dark Matter. And that's that's it. <laughs> that's what we know about it. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yep. There's there's no real way to put that in a simple simple uh, sentence, is there? This is what dark matter um, is because that's what the problem is. <laughs> dark dark matter is missing maths that we we're pretty sure it's there. We just can't see it. It's too dark. <laughs> I love science. This is, this is the best. So do, oh. do you think we could solve this mystery in your lifetime? Oh, absolutely. What do we need to I, make it happen? I think just to value, to value the sciences, right? And I think this come hand, comes hand in hand with, with valuing all science and all knowledge, not just, you know, picking and choosing the ones that we think are cool. Um, but, but valuing knowledge in general, I, I fear that we, we definitely are becoming less and less trusting and, um, yeah, just less trusting of, of science as a society. And I just hope that we're able to come through that, get through that and I don't know, see it in a different light. And, and even use it in a different way. Yeah, for sure. That didn't answer your question. No, 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 no. I get it. I get it. I get it entirely. No, that's, you know, the, there's no straight, simple answers to these questions. And that's the point, isn't it? People, yeah. People want... People want simple answers to complex problems and, and you know, they, they don't really want to look at the steps that we need to take to get there and, you know, take them for what they are. They want they want just bang. We want this fixed instantly. It now, yeah. um, we want it now. Honestly, I think that comes through in the plan a little bit and I think that's that's a real problem that we're, we're currently facing in Australia with getting more people into science um, and by more people, I'm specifically talking about underrepresented people. Yeah. Um, you know, we have enough European background males in science. Um, and I'm specifically talking about Australia as well. Um, you know, this review brought up many of these issues. Uh, you know, the fact that we need to continue to invest in people getting into this space um, that there are issues, obviously, around gender, around cultural diversity, um, around accessibility to the space, uh, and things just aren't working. Things that they've tried with respect to gender um, just aren't working. And I know in other fields, more broadly, um, getting getting gender equality happening in, in the sciences and in the STEM space, you know, what, what we've been doing so far just, just hasn't been working. So, you know, it's not, it's not an easy fix. We really do need to be having really deep conversations about this, looking at the research and not just, you know, putting little comments in reviews and hoping that, Maybe next time it'll be better. Yeah, or relying on the underrepresented people to develop initiative after initiative and program after program to encourage people into an industry where they might not be welcomed once they arrive. Yeah, and I do I, – I don't know if you have the scope to go into this, but I'm, I want to share it with you 
on a personal level anyway. Yeah. Um, I find with with this review, um, I, I think it is very uh, immature with respect to that broader conversation about diversity in this field in Australia, which is, you know, where they were supposed to be looking at um, and they've they've own they've chosen to only focus on gender equality, and that hasn't worked. You know what what they're doing in that one space hasn't worked, um, and you know they mentioned throughout it several times the use of indigenous knowledge in outreach, and and education and incorporating that knowledge. But there's very little mention. Um, of anything to do with getting more mob in in the field or in the space in general uh, or increasing the accessibility of it. And I think that that really speaks to the immaturity of, of where they are in this field or where we are in this field in Australia. Yeah, what, why, do you think it, why do you think that's the case? Why do you think this isn't being explored in, in any more depth? Oh, I think this, this is classic... Um, separation between academia and the other I, I I don't really see it as being any different than that yeah. I think for a long time they didn't see there being any problem you know there was no problem <laughs> um everything was working just how they intended it to be working yeah, it was working and as it was built yeah 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 exactly <laughs> yeah and it's it's now that you know um people like us you know we're we're coming in we're you know sovereign within ourselves and within our identity and communities and you know we're intelligent and we have an understanding of um the different power structures at play and you know we're the ones in there again doing the work yeah um that's the only reason why this is changing it's not them changing it's us trying to make them change uh and yeah it's not enough yeah I've I've found I myself have have come across and I'm absolutely certain you've come across this as well the the kind of attitude from people that they're somehow doing you a favor by allowing you to (laughs) exist in these spaces while simultaneously relying on you and your labor in order to make this a, a safer space for other mob to come into and it's just so intensely frustrating and more yeah. work than I think people realize when they're asking it of you as well like they're like oh you know you're here you can you can help and you can help make it better for everyone which is an incredible thing to be able to do and a huge privilege but at the same time it's it's tough sometimes I- I think it's I think it is tough inherently. It's tough work, but it's also tough when you're not actually given the support to be able to do what you're being asked to do. Mm. Um and you know all of all of that type of work, all of the you know trying to increase visibility of um you know women in STEM and Aboriginal people in STEM uh and trying to make it more accessible there is no support for those people who are doing that work. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it, it just results in people, I guess, resenting 
resenting organizations, entire industries, because um, they've like they've been abused. Basically, they've been taken advantage of, and it's it's also really difficult for people to be able to see that. Not only see that, um, but then to learn from that and accept that and then to try and figure out how to stop that from happening again. It is interesting that this report was so shallow in that respect because you would think that Mm. it's something that people are focusing on and and is on their radar a lot more and like we've seen so much like in the last few months in particular yeah, off the back of the Black yeah. Lives Matter movement. I, I don't know about your inbox, but my inbox has been just full of people wanting advice on yeah. how to make whatever it is they're running yeah, a, a, a better sure. place and a more diverse yeah. and inclusive place. So I don't know whether it's because this report was you know so long in the making or you know, whether it's just <laughs> not something that's hit that radar yet. Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's the latter, to be honest. Yeah, wow. Um, I, I think the in individuals in the space are definitely, and, you know, individuals in high positions, um, you know, people who are, are leaders, um, are, it's definitely on their radar. It's a no-brainer for a lot of people. But I think there is also the flip side of that where this is such a foreign concept to, to people and it's so far out of their their reach and their uh, comfort level um that it's just i don't know yeah it's just not it's not gonna make it in there i guess yeah um it's enough for it to yeah i'll keep pushing (laughs) (laughs) when i get the opportunity to talk to these people i'm like so uh where's uh your mention of what you're doing to you know support more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in STEM. Where is your mention of that? Yeah, Why isn't that something think... that's considered important? I just I find it so fascinating that people will be, you know, suddenly incredibly interested in, mm. you know, learning what you know, like some of our stories about the stars are, and and to kind yeah. of use those as a bit of a fireside, you know, chat. But it's when such it, a difference, though, right? But when it comes to actually embedding any of our knowledge into the current systems there's a real resistance or just like they've never thought of it it's like what do you yeah what what do you mean like it it, it seems to be happening at at exactly the same time there's a real big difference between consuming it and uh integrating it or like actually listening um i i think when you know when we do a lot of our work um, and by me, I mean the Aboriginal Astronomy Group. Um, it's done in a way that it is consumable and accessible to people who come from non-Indigenous backgrounds. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's made in in many respects. It's made for them. So, I think like that's that's such. It's such a big difference between that and appreciating something that's been put in a box uh, so that you can appreciate it more or so it's more to your liking um, as opposed to putting in the hard work, putting in, you know, the hours of 
information you have to take in and the amount of um like how much that can weigh on you emotionally all that stuff that's there and that you have to take in in order to go forward with with society with an equal society in in light of you know the black lives movement um you know it's one yeah one thing to consume another thing to actually change yeah we need a bit more of the latter <laughs> for sure. That was a bit of a rant, sorry. No, this is fine. <laughs> this is good. This is stuff that needs to be said and it needs to be heard. People don't want to hear it. Like they just want to hear the fluffy, nice, happy yep. stuff. And yep. you know, like you say, they, they want to consume, but they don't want to put in the hard work. So, yeah. got it. It's, it's, and like I get it, it is hard. Yeah. I've just gone through a really intense three years of taking in a lot of our country's history. Yeah. Um, in, in, you know, one of the harshest ways possible and, you know, by working with the government. <laughs> and <laughs> it is hard. Yeah. It is really painful, but it, it's, it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done. And like, you know, we have to do it. We have to, from from a very young age, you know, Aboriginal people have to deal with the realities of this country and of its history um, and of the power dynamics still at play here because of that history. Um, I think we all should as Australians. On a, on a different note, I, I personally find it really incredible. Um, the, I guess, how astronomy is applied in other fields um and i'm sure you would have noticed i think it was early in the piece in the review um they mention how data analytics from astronomy have been applied in other fields such as um covid19 clinical data processing yeah i find that super cool you know that's how we that's literally how we got Wi-Fi. Yeah. Things like this, situations like this, you know. I, I, I love that too. Research. I think it's I think it's really, really interesting that as we're, you know, with the current situation and people keep calling it. And, um, <laughs> people are just like, don't call it COVID. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> it's a pandemic. During this pandemic, like the amount of data that we're relying on now and the amount of data that we're producing oh, yeah. And you know, the considerations of how it needs to be stored, and you know, how that how it needs to be processed, and you know, in volumes that you know, yeah. some industries have never even had to consider before. And yeah, they turn to astronomy to be like, "How have you guys been doing this this whole yeah. time?" <laughs> We're like in the corner, like twitching. <laughs> We're like, always oh, so much data. Yeah. We're not coping, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> 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 and, and I think that there's a real opportunity for you know other industries to kind of not step up. That feels a bit mean, but you know, kind of throw their weight behind yeah. you know, developing new technologies to to process data, you know, quicker, more accurately, you know, so yeah. that or, or, like it can be used cross industry, including for astronomy. Like, imagine if absolutely, you know, and it, it really is going that way. I oh, see yeah. that all the time. Like in my peers in astronomy, we have 
so many computer scientists, uh, so many engineers from all fields. You know, there are like 30 different types of engineer you can be. Um, and, you know, fields from just all over the place, chemistry, um, geology, like it, astronomy is kind of one of those fields where everything is useful. Yeah. <laughs> all these skill sets, different skill sets are super useful. And, you know, maybe that's why it is so easy for that research to be applied to different fields because we are so aware of different fields being out there. I don't know. Yeah, That's no, no, it makes a lot of sense and it's really, really cool. And I think it's it's something to consider when you, know, you get the odd person who's just like, oh, what does looking at the stars get us anyway? And it's yeah. like, you have no idea, no idea. And it's a, it's so a reasonable levels. question. Yeah. We should, we should be asking that. And I wish more people would ask that, to be honest, because then I can smash them with how cool it is. But <laughs> <laughs> And all the different answers. And it's not just like, it's not just philosophical. I think people are just like, yeah. you know, it's just got philosophical answers and it's like no 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 like <laughs> there are intensely oh, what's wrong with that? practical Even, <laughs> yeah yeah I suppose <laughs> um there was there was one other thing that I thought was really cool uh and I kind of was reminded of it as you were just talking you know astronomy kind of stepping up I think there was another way that they really did step up um you know the culture stuff not so much but <laughs> Uh, they they really stress the point of the carbon footprint of doing research in astronomy. Yes. Uh, and they gave multiple recommendations about how to reduce the, the footprint and the impact, um, but, you know, also just making it an issue in the first place, making it a point um, that we need to be working on. We need to be reducing our impact. So, yeah, again, I thought that was that was really great leadership on their behalf. Yeah, that's really cool. Maybe they can teach the cryptocurrency crowd a thing or two. With oh, <laughs> oh, it makes me sad. Yeah, that, my, the cringe on my face right now. <laughs> I think one of, one of the worst things that I've ever found in my life was a Facebook group called Crypto for Blokes. You don't want to go there. Oh, no. <laughs> I have so many friends that are like in that in that world in that space. It's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. They getting them to admit the impact of you know what is essentially a hobby. Like I'm going to call it yeah. out for what it is. It's a hobby. Sure. Like, you're creating <laughs> alternate currencies. Like come on. Yeah. Um, but, but the the actual environmental impact of that is just incomprehensible and something that flies under the radar so much so you know hopefully scrutiny on you know fields like astronomy for you know the impact on the environment you know maybe that can flow onto other areas as well so that's a good good. thing yeah let's talk about it let's talk about the yucky stuff (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about the yucky stuff let's see we're making a new podcast (laughs) 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 it's carly and ray and it's called let's talk about the yucky stuff stuff. (laughs) i don't hate it (laughs) no no no, and and it's got to be bookended with something like really positive and light and and fun and something just really heartwarming and meaningful and the yucky stuff in the middle when they when they get through the other side of the yucky stuff (laughs) yeah so you get through the yucky stuff and then you have like steps for actionable change at the end yeah so it's like fun fluffy fact at the beginning to rope them in (laughs) hit them with all the the real life (laughs) and then a little reward at the end 
I, I, I honestly love it. It's this is my problem. <laughs> I have too many content ideas and not enough time to make them all. So this you, is... <laughs> you just need to outsource, right? You just need to get like, you just need to mental everyone. Yeah. And then just outsource all of your ideas to them. Look, that's the plan. Like, if, yeah. I, <laughs> if I can just have like, you know, by, by, by the time I retire, if I can replace myself with, you know, 10 more Aboriginal science journos i'm sweet i'm happy i'm done totally (laughs) that's my that's my career goal at this point i know so many women aboriginal women who would say the exact same thing about their field hey even though completely different completely different fields it's the same thing the same goal keep an eye out for ray and carly talking about the yucky stuff wherever you get your podcasts nah seriously though thanks for listening to this little short black and if you enjoyed it be sure to give us a rating and leave some feedback for us it helps other people find our show but it also helps us get to know what you're enjoying and what we should be doing some more of And if there's anyone that you want us to be talking to, let us know. Until next time, remember to take it black. SBS is Australia's most trusted multilingual broadcaster. Our listeners are loyal, highly engaged and have supported countless local businesses. We offer advertising packages for businesses of all sizes. Our experienced sales team will guide you through the process of owning a great campaign. Bring your own ad or have our production team make you something in one of our 68 languages. Start the conversation with your new audience today. Email sales at sbs.com.au.